Live from the Laser Theater at Cineonic World at CinemaCon in Las Vegas, welcome to the Insider's Show. This is the week the movie industry comes to Caesars Palace to see Hollywood's game plan for 2023. It's the meeting where A-list directors and stars come to share clips of their upcoming movies and meet face-to-face with their cinema team partners. And this week, there was great news at the box office. Cinemas were packed as the Super Mario Brothers movie filled theaters worldwide. The film broke box office records with an astounding $800 million in just two weeks. I'm Jim Chabin, and with me is our co-host for this series, Wim Byans. He serves as CEO of Cineonic, and he's with me here in Las Vegas with a fantastic live audience. Good afternoon, Wim. It's uh, it's great to see you in person. It's That's great. right. This is the week that Hollywood comes to Vegas. And uh, the presentations so far, Wim, have been absolutely fantastic. We've had Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix uh, uh, last night presenting Napoleon. Oprah was here talking about the Color Purple musical for Christmas for Warner Brothers. Greta Gerwig and was here for Barbie. She brought along uh, Ryan Gosling and... Margot Robbie and Denis Villeneuve brought Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya for Dune Part 2. So we're off to a, a robust start to this show. And I'm just wondering, what are you and your partners thinking as, as you come into this, this uh, celebration? You know, this is always the, the starting point, right? We need good content. So there we can't complain about. You just gave a lineup, which I think everybody's tremendously impressed about. So I think our partners is about looking at what is the, the next thing in technology, right? What are the refreshes? And I think we've been pleased to uh, make a couple of announcements, and that's also part of CinemaCon. So last week we announced about a multi-year agreement with our friends of uh, National Amusements, uh, which is going to, you know, they get around 1,000 screens, but they, they are committed to go laser, right? So it's all about laser. And then we see quite a, an uptake about laser retrofit, so which means that it's upgrading the existing technology to laser. So with the Series 2 projectors, giving them an extension, fits very well in our sustainability story. And there's all more than 3,000 of those we have installed the last couple of years. And especially with COVID, it is the fastest way to LASIK. So, so we're very excited about that. And of course, the most excited we are about our latest announcement we did today is with our, uh, our friends of, uh, of Cineplex in Canada, right? Which is going um, to go laser and going to go laser with, uh, with Barco projectors with Cineonic. And so, so we're very pleased for that. Because it shows the belief in the market that two things for me. One thing is that the slate is strong, that people say, yes, we're going to make the investment. But as important is that elevating the movie-going experience. Because we need to get people to the movies, and the experience is critical. And that's why they're showing, and that's fantastic. Well, it's perfect that you're announcing the Cineplex uh, agreement today, because their COO is our guest. And we're going to have him out here in a minute. But for today's show... We want to get the first-hand look at the cinema business this year, find out what kind of year we have ahead, and we'll take a look at those fantastic numbers at the box office for Super Mario Brothers to see what uh, they might mean for the year ahead. But first, the Cannes Film Festival announced that it will close its film festival next month with the premiere of Elemental, the new film from Disney and Pixar Animation, directed by Peter Son. Peter's currently at Skywalker Sound mixing sound and music, but we spoke with him earlier, and he's joining us via video in this show. So we've got some fantastic guests, and I know you're all here to 
hear them give their view of the year ahead. So let's get him out here. Dan McGrath is here. He's one of the most respected leaders in our business. He serves as Chief Operating Officer of Cineplex Entertainment, one of Canada's leaders in cinema with more than 10,000 employees and millions of guests across North America. Cineplex has also been recognized as having one of the most admired work cultures in Canada for its engagement with its employees and its guests. Please welcome Dan McGrath. Dan? Also with us is our box office scorekeeper, Paul DeGarabedian. He is the senior box office analyst for Comscore. He advises the company's studio and Wall Street clients and is a regular contributor to CNBC and the Wall Street Journal. Welcome, Paul DeGarabedian. Paul. It's great to have you guys. Great Thank you for here. making the time on your busy schedules to see us. Of course. Let me kick it off here, Dan. What are the goals Cineplex has set for this year? What are, you, what are the objectives? What, how does success look like for you guys? <laughs> a lot of box office. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously, um, it, it's been a challenging three years for everybody in the industry. And you know, we started to come out of it last year. Um, so what we're really excited about is just the, uh, the amount of product that's coming out. So it's really about building that attendance base back up again. It's all about getting bums in seats. So if we can, uh, you know, as the product comes out for us, it's all it's all about between experiences and marketing and working with the studios. How do we get more people back into going to, to the movies? Let me jump in and ask you something about your your upgrading your technology, which was announced today with with Wim's uh, team. Uh, what are you trying to achieve there? You know, I mean, obviously the industry made a huge jump when we went from 35 millimeter to uh, to digital, and that was a great step because it was, it was a great step for the for the guest in terms of improving that overall experience. So that ability now to give the guest that much more of a uh, an improved uh, visual experience with with laser is uh, it's just something that we, obviously the whole industry is moving towards, and it's uh, it's very exciting because it's one more thing that improves that experience in the in the theater. As you know, the Writers Guild of America have almost unanimously voted for a strike beginning next month unless negotiations succeed. Are you concerned about a writer's strike in May and how would this affect the Canadian market you reside over? Yeah, I mean, Canada gets affected the same way that the U.S. does. Uh, most of our product that we rely on is, uh, is, is based on Hollywood product. So, you know, although, although we have a very robust international film slate as well, but the challenge that obviously if there's a writer's strike, it just it's one more delay in production. And we saw what happened uh, in 2022 that it you know, was the 2020 production delays and 21 production delays, which impacted the release of product in 22. So as we're finally coming out of that, it would be really unfortunate if there is a writer's strike. We're not going to see the immediate impacts of that in, uh, in theatrical, but that will um, unfortunately start to impact releases going into, uh, into 2024 and 25. So hopefully if it does happen, it doesn't last for very long. We have seen the last 20 years a lot of changes within the, the market, right? How do you see from your perspective the change of the consumer behavior going to cinemas? You know, when you look at, uh, at all the research that's been done and look at trends that have happened, people are now much more focused on experiences. So people are trading out products for, uh, for experiences. So 
You know, I think that's the big difference is the guest is looking for that significantly better experience. We have to deliver on the experience that our guests are looking for when they come out. So that's your audiovisual presentation. It's how our uh, cast members treat our guests. It's how our managers treat our guests. It's how, you know, every single step in the journey uh, for the guest, we have to deliver on that experience. So it's where premium formats have really come in and done so well. And I think it's one of the great reasons that premium formats have been so uh, uh, successful in the past year is that people are looking for that experience, that differentiator from what they can get at the home uh, and that better experience that they get, that's the driver for getting them out into the theaters. We wanna talk about what happened at the box office over the last couple of weeks with our friend, uh, Paul. We ask you to stop by and tell us. Yeah. Paul, who came out to see Super Mario Brothers? Everybody came out to see Super Mario Brothers. And there's all this talk about it being a four quadrant movie. That's absolutely true, but that doesn't do it justice. Really, I think it's more about the film has universal appeal. And if you look in the various international territories as well, the movie has done incredibly well in Mexico, uh, Germany, France, obviously the UK. It's done very well there. It's at over, it's closing in on a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it had that massive opening weekend two weeks ago. And it was really amazing to see the second weekend drop domestically on Super Mario was 37%, which is an unheard of, like a tiny second weekend drop, uh, just amazing. And then the third weekend drop this past weekend, 35% drop. Normally on a film, as we all know here, if you open with over 100 million, you may drop 50, 60, 65% in that second weekend. So it shows that audiences are loving it. They're going back over and over again. And the nighttime shows are doing well also. It's not just playing just to kids and families. It's playing to everyone because of the nostalgia factor. A lot of people grew up on Super Mario. The numbers are just incredible. And what a great movie to have as we're you know, here at CinemaCon. That creates a lot of optimism to have a movie performing that well. And that's not the only movie in the first quarter that's been doing incredibly well. It's been a great slate for sure. So then coming to you there, so what is this movie going to do for you this year? What, what does it tell you about the slate and what's your expectation there? I mean, just to, to you know, talk a little bit about what Paul was saying, I mean, the beauty of this film, not only the box office that it's generating, but it is that age demo that we're getting. You know, we have a number of VIP theaters, which are adults only. You have to be legal drinking age to get into those auditoriums. And, uh, and we're filling our VIP auditoriums with Super Mario. I just had lunch with some of the uh, execs from, uh, from Universal, and they were tell talking about, you know, and, and I've heard this from our managers as well, you know, you've got, you know, 45-year-old men coming dressed as... Uh, uh, as, uh, as Super Mario and uh, et cetera. So it's really getting that, uh, that very wide age demo. But the, the great thing is if it's the strength of family product. Obviously, it's still mainly a family movie. And um, I think what this shows is just that people are dying to get out. They still want to get out of the house in spite of the plethora of content that's available on streaming services. People want to get out of the house. Families want to get out. And I would and, think that you know, for your concessions, having families there, like what kid says, no, I don't want popcorn. It's cool. I'll just, I won't get any popcorn or candy or a soda. So no, nobody's, that. nobody's allowed to not have. Popcorn. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it is really cool to see that, that you have the family audience as well. Also, if you look at last weekend, I think there were five or six R rated movies in the top 10. So it's a diversity of content that's driving all this. You have Air out there, John Wick Chapter 4. Bo is Afraid is another one that was limited and had like an $81,000 opening weekend in three location per theater average. Second weekend expanded very well. Got a lot of big movies on the way. So this is a perfect marketplace. Feels like the pre-pandemic era. 
And there's many more films being released this year in wide release than last year. We were down 41 films, 41 films fewer released in 22 than in 2019. That's a lot of movies That's that a lot of weren't box there. This year, though, the good news is we're going to have 30 or more films wide release than we had last year. So that's good. you got to have the movies in the theaters. One more question on Super. Uh, the track record at the box office for video games has been a little bit hit, hit and miss for that kind of IP. But this is changing now. And it's really, I think it's more about having animated video game adaptations. If you look at Angry Birds and uh, Detective Pikachu, Pokemon, and Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2, those are all video game adaptations that did well. Where I think there's been an issue has been with some of the live action video game adaptations, but that could change too. This kind of opens the door and this could be the new frontier. You know, it's always been superhero movies where that big genre, maybe it's the video game at it. Now there's a, there could be a paradigm shift in both the thinking by the industry and by audiences and family audiences who everyone thought was lost during the last couple of years, they came out in big numbers. And I think what this movie did, what Super Mario did, it really changed everybody's mindset about the box office for 2023. Um, you know, first quarter was a little softer than everybody liked. Avatar was obviously fantastic. There were still good movies, and we started to see more films coming out. But it's this is that one film, by just doing so much box office and, and exceeding every single expectation, every analyst, I can tell the people at Universal, didn't expect it to do this, uh, this level of business. And it just, that one movie, to me, has changed the mindset on how successful 2023 is going to be. That's so true, Dan. I agree with you 100% because it's also the perception. So when people read about the movies and they see, well, the box office is down or this movie disappointed, it's like, you know, everybody wants to be part of that what's ever popular or cool. Well, it's not cool to have a flail, you know, a failing box office or movies that underperform. But now this whole idea that was brought up during the pandemic that the movie theater was going to meet its inevitable demise more quickly than expected because of the pandemic just didn't happen. And now I think we can put that to bed permanently. The movie theater can take on all comers, take on all challenges. And it's great operators like you that are making that experiential part of it so key for the moviegoer. We want to bring in a special guest right now. He is the director of the new Disney film, Pixar from Pixar Animation and uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios feature Elemental. He's currently at Skywalker Sound, but we connected with him via video earlier. Please welcome Peter Sohn. Hey everyone, hello, it's an honor to be here, Jim. Pete, you've directed two features for Pixar, The Good Dinosaur and Elemental. Tell us about this film. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I'm so excited even. this. I mean, this Elemental has been a real personal project for me. It's, uh, um, it's about a world that comprises of earth, wind, fire, and water, and how they all can mix and can't mix. And uh, in the middle of all that, it's this warm love story between this young firewoman uh, uh, and a, a water boy. And uh, in the middle of that, it's also a love story between a father and a daughter. And so it's this triangle. Well, uh, Dan McGrath is with us uh, from Cineplex. And I'd love for you to share your thoughts with him and our audience here of what the cinema visual and sound experience provides to you as a filmmaker. You know, it's there's a lot of love put into the films, uh, of, of course, everywhere, but at Pixar, um, um, our dedication to the big screen, our dedication to a fidelity and a richness of an image that can be very immersive 
And so that high quality picture, of course, is a priority. Um, but, you know, we're still at Skywalker mixing the film now. And uh, the wizards over there have brought, you know, such a level and layer of this world, uh, uh, this immaculate reality where you, it, it's become even more believable. And uh, so that sound fidelity, of course, um, is a high priority. But look, this is all about connecting with an audience. This is all about trying to find moments that are memorable, find characters that you can connect with. And we've been working really hard to do that so that, you know, we have Thomas Newman as a composer. And again, we're so lucky to be even working with him, but just hearing his music merging with the sound effects, merging with the picture uh, uh, right now has been, you know, one of the greatest highlights of my life. And so I'm hoping that audiences around, you know, everywhere can really feel um, um, the work that uh, we've all put into it. What do you do to create characters that my children see as their friends, not just images on a screen? That is such a great question. And, uh, you know, for as long as I've been at Pixar, um, I see the filmmakers here constantly looking to their lives, looking to their friends and looking to, you know, the, the people around them uh, in terms of inspiration of how to build some of these characters. And uh, it's funny to say that we're building characters. Um, when you start um, um, even talking about a character, they, they, they begin to come alive in a way where you don't feel like you're building them. You feel like you are growing with them. And uh, um, from the character designs uh, to the voices, all of it stems from very personal places for people and in fun ways. You know, uh, you know um, Nemo and uh, I remember Anderson, the director, talking about Marlon and his own fear as a parent you know, walking his kid to school and letting him go. And that all came from a real place. And uh, and so, you know, like Russell in Up, uh, the, the little Asian kid that was tag along with, tagging along with uh, um, Carl Fredrickson, it, it all came from like, oh yeah, you know, this what's it, isn't it funny, like a Boy Scout in the city? Yeah. Every Pixar movie has its own color palette that is so magnificent that it's almost trippy to watch the movie because the colors are such a rich, part of the storytelling um, with our HDR and all these new projection techniques, laser, we're really able to project a lot of the colors that you all want to, to push. Talk about that for just a moment. Um, we are rendering everything in 4K. And so there's already a fidelity that, you know, that's something that we are really excited about. The HDR component, look, our main character is fire. And so she's projecting light. There are no shadows that are allowed on her. It's one of the toughest characters we've built here at Pixar. Wade is water and light bounces all over him. And he's a very difficult character to control. And so the lighting of these two characters has been a tremendous challenge. And so the HDR, the, the, the fidelity of the image has been um, um, something that we have fought this whole time to make really pristine and to exploit so that the audiences get there can feel when our characters are burning bright, when when Ember, our main character who's fire, when her light, you know, when she feels inspiration, she goes brighter. And, uh, you know, we don't want the image to get blown out, but you're balancing that game because she is a being of light to, uh, so that you can still have that contrast and the dynamic range that is so wonderful in all of our theaters. Peter, we know you need to get back to, to, to mixing. We have such high hopes for this film. Uh, you have such fans in this audience that are so grateful to Pixar for always delivering the finest films in the finest way uh, to be seen. 
So great good luck. Thank you for stepping away to say hello to us today. And we will see you at the movies, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, CinemaCon. Thank you, everyone. Dan, it's, uh, it's great to hear someone who's literally stepping away from a mixing uh, studio to talk about his characters and how much light they put off so that your theaters, your, your customers have a transcendent experience, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting when you talk about like, because it's always been one of the, you know, one of the challenges we all have in, uh, in, in running our theaters is, is that light output on screen. And it's one of the great things about laser that, uh, uh, you know, significantly improving that, uh, that light output will be fantastic for the guest. So then Cineplex is offering a wide variety of experiences and VIP experiences. Take us a little bit through that. What is that? And what are you trying to accomplish with your movie goals with that? Yeah, so I mean, really just carrying on from what we talked about before, but it is that differentiator from the home. And so giving people the opportunity to see a movie in our premium large format, which is uh, which we call Ultra AVX in an IMAX screen uh, with Screen X we have, and we have 40, 40X auditoriums as well, uh, D-Box seats. Um, then you throw on the VIP experience. We have kids auditoriums, a concept we call the clubhouse. So it's really about creating that different experience. It's not a, you know what, obviously we still have, you know, we have 1600 screens and the majority of them are still your traditional theaters. Um, but whether it be through seating upgrades or creating a differentiated experience, it's, it's what people love and they are very willing to pay. Every single one of these premium experiences have come out at a fairly significant premium price tag. And People have no problem. They are always the first auditoriums to sell out all of our premium experiences. Do I hear you saying that you're going to expand the premium experiences if I hear the, yeah. the success they're having? Or? We've had great success, and we're, we're just going to continue to add every in every single one of those formats that I talked about, we will continue to add uh, uh, throughout the year. Dan, you talk about a journey for the, for the customer. It feels as if, and I've had several friends just anecdotally say that they were in the habit, the word habit, of going to the movies almost every weekend or every couple of weeks, it was a fallback idea of getting out of the house and going to do something. The pandemic shook that up. And I had a, a friend who saw Air and said, oh my gosh, I went and saw this movie. It was my kind of movie. I had a great time, but I realized when I was in the theater, it had been, it'd been months since I'd been there. Is it a habit and, and what, what do you think reinstills in people? They know it, it's muscle memory but maybe they haven't practiced it recently. You know, I think it's so true, Jim. Um, you, you know, I, I have a saying that movie going begets movie going. So, and it is so much of it, when I, when I talked earlier, so much of it is getting people back into that habit. So even if they did come out to see Top Gun, let's say, which, you know, thank you, Paramount, it was such a fabulous movie, and it did get people out again. But then there was nothing else for that demo to see for months, and then they get out of the habit. So what I'm really excited about now is not only the product that we're starting to see this week, um, but just the fact that even in the past, you know, call it the last six weeks to eight weeks, there's been a new movie every single week. So, and we haven't had that. All of 22 was very lumpy from a release schedule. It goes back to some of those production delays, um, you know, and, and really just studio models in terms of how they were releasing some of their films. But getting people in that habit so they do, because you go to a theater and then you see a poster or you see a trailer for a movie that's upcoming and, it, and you just get reminded about what a great out-of-home and very affordable out-of-home experience it is. So, yeah, I, I think, again, content is everything. And the more content there is, the more we'll get people in that habit. I now go out to dinner at restaurants and I 
play a game with myself to try to guess how high the bill's going to be for dinner for two. It's an expensive thing that all of a sudden makes going to uh, a movie theater seem to be one of the better values out there. And you don't have to drive anywhere to get there. It's a great value. I think for the money, especially for a family of five or six to be able to go outside the home, have a great experience uh, and enjoy that. And relative or compared to other outside the home activities, going to a movie theater is a relative bargain. And if you love the movie, that's even better. And if you love the in-theater experience, that's great. But it's definitely a momentum business. And like you said, you got to keep that rolling. Otherwise, there was a lull last fall after an amazing summer. And that kind of shrunk the marketplace a bit. This year, we're on track to have a much more even, uh, more movies and more often is my motto for this year. And that's going to hold the industry in good stead. Dan, I'm curious, you partnered with Netflix to release Knives Out in theaters last year, and you've been in the press indicating an interest to partnering with streaming services. There was a point a couple years ago where everybody thought they were the enemy. You seem to be thinking that they may be partners. What's behind this thinking? Well, it comes back to content again. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say we partnered with Netflix, so uh, I think that would be uh, a bit of a stretch. Uh, but what I would what I would say is that as studios have looked at reducing, and when I say reducing, right back to you know the way they used to release movies um, sort of five, 10 years ago, it's all about getting more content. So if talent is shifting some of their time and energy, uh, whether that be directors or uh, actors and actresses, um, moving into, uh, into streaming, and there's great content that's being developed as those streamers look to have a theatrical release window. So we're only gonna, we're, we will only release uh, as a company, if there is a significant uh, theatrical window, we're not going to do it if there's a two-week window. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, but if we get the uh, the exclusive theatrical window for a long enough period, and the content is there, then I think the streamers provide us. They provide all of us in the industry with the with that content and and fill some of those gaps. What would what what's a desirable window to have? I mean, ideally, I think you know that we all saw the window change significantly during COVID to right. uh, down to 45 days, and and most of the streamers are at least in that 30, 31 to 45 day window. So um, you know, and it has to be at least that. You announced a, a deal with Lionsgate. What's your content strategy for this year? So one of the challenges that we have in the Canadian market is um, is that. We certainly get all the Hollywood releases. Um, there aren't as many smaller distributors in Canada. There used to be a lot more. So there's probably about three, two to 300 movies a year that get released in the U.S. that never make it to the Canadian marketplace. When you look at some of the other uh, uh, international markets, there's a lot of local content. Canada doesn't have that. We're kind of stuck because our, our good filmmakers end up going to Hollywood. You know, you look at Denis Villeneuve, and, it's, and I don't want to say that that's a little unfair to some very good Canadian filmmakers who stay, but the, uh, the, the product, there just isn't as much product. So we don't have as much of that local content that can come in and fill some of those gaps. So we've been in the, we used to be in the, in the my first job in the business was in our, uh, it was in our distribution company that we had many, many years ago. And we got out of that for a, a number of different reasons. But in the past five years or so, we had started uh, uh, distribution, our own distribution business which was really about finding those smaller movies, finding those anime movies or something that uh, would not have had a Canadian uh, uh, distributor otherwise. So we're able to fill that gap. So moving to, uh, to this uh, distribution deal that we're doing for Lionsgate was a natural extension of the distribution business that we already had in place, but now lever allows us to leverage, um, especially our data. I mean, we have 13 million members in our, uh, in our loyalty program 
um, which is about a third of the uh, of the Canadian uh, population. So um, we're we're able to leverage that data, leverage our marketing muscle that we have, and uh, and distribute those films. And if you look at the success that we've had. Uh, with a movie like John Wick, where we significantly over-indexed in Canada compared to uh, what we normally uh, would against a, a regular release of a film, um, you know, it just shows that we we can really leverage that data and uh, and and the marketing muscle that we have to overperform. Paul, name five movies this year that you think will break a hundred million dollars pretty easily. You mean that have already opened or no? Yeah. No, <laughs> too no. easy though. No. Um, well, in I, the next few months. So you know, Guardians. Of the Galaxy Volume Three obviously is going to kick off this summer. Marvel traditionally has kicked off many a summer. It's a little disrupted over the past couple of years. Uh, I know that Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One could not have a better tee up than Top Gun Maverick last year. And, and like Dan was saying, because the shift in production schedules, it threw the release calendar into disarray, which then put Top Gun Maverick in last year. And then now we have. Dead, which I think is a great one-two punch. It's going to be amazing. Barbie, I mean, that one is really, it's catching a lot of heat. So Who's that targeted at? Well, you know, that's, a, that's an that interesting like question because it's not really a, a kid's movie, even though it, you know, it's based on a, a toy, so to speak, but it's much more than that. And I haven't seen the movie, but it looks like it's going to be sort of a, you know, a philosophical look at how we view different roles in society. I don't know. It looks very interesting to me. And, and the fact, I mean, a great cast, and I think it's going to have an interesting point of view. I look back at that teaser trailer, which was an homage to 2001, the Space Odyssey, the, the Barbie teaser that was an homage to the monolith scene at the beginning of 2001. I thought that was brilliant. So for a film fan, that that's just, I don't know, Barbie just feels like that kind of get, movie. Okay. That really, uh, and Fast 10, I think, Fast obviously. 10, okay. Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah, all day. I mean, there's more than $500 million films yet to come, which is right. great news. Right. The Flash, uh, which we're going to see uh, this afternoon, I believe. Right. Uh, uh, that David Saslov said this morning, chairman of, of Warner Brothers, yeah. he thought it was the best superhero movie he'd that's ever seen. That's a bold statement. Life. That's and a pretty strong. Yeah, that's pretty strong. And, yeah. and, of course, it's their movie, and they're really behind it. The trailer looks amazing. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything because I, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing because there's a lot going on in that movie. But I think people are going to be very excited coming out of that one. I think also, too, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that independent film is super important because it's, you know, it's not, I know in the, during blockbuster season, which is the 18 weeks of summer, which is 40% of the, you know, domestic market per year that we fixate on the blockbusters. And that's what gets people in the seats. But if you look at a movie like Bo is Afraid or something like that, if you look at the per theater averages for some of these films, if they're filling Dan's auditoriums, even though the, the box office of those films won't necessarily rank them in the top five of the year, it's still important to have those movies out there and have great theaters curating that content for their patrons. And, well, I'm making sure and that we get that, that wide demo of audience too, right? That's the other yeah. thing too, is we can't, you know, you don't want to, we don't want to have a business that only caters to families and, and Marvel fans. You know, that, that's not yeah. a business. That's not a business model that's going to work in the long run. So we need that wide range of product to hit all demos. And it seems like it, it seems like it's here. Yeah. It is here. Right. If you look at this past weekend, Super Mario Brothers, Evil Dead Rise, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, John Wick 4, Dungeons and Dragons, Air, The Pope's Exorcist, 
Renfield, Bo's Afraid, and then we have an anime film, Suzume, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Indian films in the mix, event cinema in the mix. This is a very exciting marketplace. I say, Dan, and I know you'll agree, and Wim and Jim, that if you can't find a movie on this slate that doesn't appeal to you, you are not looking at the slate. There is literally, it's cliche, something for everyone on this slate. Then let's talk a little bit about experimentation, right? We hear about variable pricing, we hear about movie pass, uh, different formats. What are you guys doing? You're typically always strong in you know, trying new things out. What do you think is important in the experimentation phase for you guys? So we have a lot of discussions internally around dynamic pricing. And uh, uh, you know, one of the guys who I work very closely with has said, well, we already have dynamic pricing because we have so many different pricing options for people. You know, we obviously have child and senior pricing. We also, one of the things we're very successful with in Canada, have been for many, many years, is a uh, discounted price on Tuesdays, which is about 40% discount. So Tuesdays are as busy as a Friday night in many cases. So there is a, there's a value seeker crowd um, who goes for that. We also, with because of our different experiences, I talked about before with the premium experiences, we have, uh, we have different pricing models there as well. We've done a little bit of testing around different different uh, pricing models within the auditorium. I mean, D-Box seats is one. It's a different experience in that seat uh, to have a seat within an auditorium. We had something that we call prime seating that we tried for a little bit, where we had uh, we had different um, uh, a different a better seat within the middle of the auditorium, and I would say we had varied success with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't come away from it saying yeah that was really good because the the challenge is. I love to sit in the middle of an auditorium. That's my best seat. Some people like to sit in the front. Some people like to sit in the back. So differentiating pricing based on where the seat is in the auditorium is actually a little bit, we found it's a little bit challenging because it's not necessarily for everybody. But listen, I do think that the industry overall, though, has an opportunity to be, to have more of a dynamic type of pricing model. One of the things we tested uh, many years ago, and I, you know, not every studio loved it, but um, you know, but but we, I really think it's uh, it's the way to go, and it is more dynamic. Is uh, it was last chance pricing, so when we knew it was going to be the last week of a movie, and we would then send out to our, you know, to our database and say, this is the last week this film is playing. If you haven't seen it yet, and we already knew they hadn't seen it because of the uh, because of our loyalty program data, and we tell them it's it's going to be at a reduced price. So getting into something like that that is. It gets a little bit more with supply and demand, I think, is uh, is where there's a bigger opportunity. I was uh, recently very nearby Coachella and was struck by how 125,000 young people were so focused on sustainability. And it seems as if that's, a, that's an issue that's going to continue to be important. I'd just like to ask both you and Wim, is sustainability, uh, the environment, is that a part of your corporate culture? How do you... How do you address it? Your thoughts? Yeah, if you do, I'm going to go first. Yeah. One? Sure. Um, yeah, it's very much. I mean, uh, you know, especially as a public company, yes, every every public company uh, is now starting to be measured on their uh, uh, their ESG initiatives. So um, sustainability is very important to us uh, as a company, and it's one of the great things we're seeing with you know laser projectors and other projection equipment reducing that energy usage within the auditoriums. We've done a lot of things within our uh, within our theaters to reduce energy consumption as well and recycling and a number of other things. But it's it's really, I think we're still early days. There's a lot more that the entire industry can be doing. And it's, it's very important. You know who the, is most important to is our cast members. They're the ones we hear from because they are, they're young people who are working for us. And they're, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? We get a lot of great ideas from them. Wim? 
No, absolutely. I think it is a, it's a big theme. If I take over the last four years, we kicked it off, I think, four years ago with our new project range at the time, which was really built up of the ground where sustainability was one of the, the key parameters in the sense of, you know, we called it the, the eco scores we gave them. And it's not just about the consumption, but the recyclement, the upgradability and those things. What we see today, it, it's, a big, it's a big discussion, right? It's probably the biggest discussion we have on our, uh, on our booth here is about sustainability. So it really grows. But I think you're adding to what Dan says is the, the moviegoers and that demographics, they really care. So I think that we should all care because of the planet and many other things. And as public companies, we get measured on that. But at the same token, I think our customers care, the moviegoers care. And that's why I think why we should take this and really take it to the next level. And we do pretty, we can. We get a panel on that tomorrow, by the way, but, but everybody's interested, you know, you're more than welcome. And we've got, we've got time for a couple of questions. So if you've got a question, put your hand up. I want to ask Dan, and Wim and Paul, we have been through such a tumultuous two or three years. And it seems to me that most of the senior folks that, that I'm running into, they seem to be focused and know what they want to do and get accomplished. Do you feel that you and your team are doing your best work right now? Does it feel like you're, you're, you're finally, you know, uh, clearing the trees and yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of, one of the things that did happen, I mean, we've got to try to look at some, where were the benefits of COVID? And there were, there were some benefits. That, I mean, nobody would ask for it. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say that, but you know, when you were shut down, it forced you to, to get some things done to take a look at your processes and take a look at, we're doing a lot around automation now uh, within our company, for instance. And there's a lot of things that it really allowed us to focus on the things that are really important and needed to get done. And I think we've got, uh, especially with, you know, there's sort of when we've got all these pressures around us from uh, um, so much dis disruption in our business, it really does allow you to focus on the things that are really important. So, yeah, I would say our team is doing their best work uh, around uh, around the whole guest experience and, uh, and, and efficient operations. Wim? Yeah, I think that, you know, I talked about it yesterday night on, on the dinner, you know, so the, the COVID is, people said, how do you get through this, right? And if, if the way we look at it, building technology, it's a long-term vision, right? It's, it's a projector you build, it takes you a couple of years, it's a lifetime of another 10 years and then another 10 years of end of service. It's a 20-year life cycle. So not to stop those things in COVID was critical for us, right? How do we survive and continue doing those things? But of course, cutting down on many other things. So because, and keeping the long-term horizon, and that meant then coming out of COVID, you know, gives you a stronger opinion, right? Gives you a stronger position because it means that, that you have been very diligent about what is critical in the long-term, and that's about, you know, it's about strategy making choices. But I think we had to make a lot of choices, but we, we are glad to did so because it, it's, it put us ahead of, of the curve coming out of that. So, so yes, I think that, that COVID has definitely uh, learned us how important it is. Dan, we asked Paul, what, uh, what movies have you got your eyes? What are you looking forward to seeing this year? You know, uh, Paul talked about The Flash. I saw a trailer for The Flash last week. It was the first one I had seen. I got to tell you. Um, that movie, I think, is going to surprise people. It looks really good. But, uh, you know, I would say if I, if I, the, the, probably the movie I'm most looking forward uh, to is Oppenheimer. Uh, stole I my say, thunder, uh, Dan. Sorry. That's <laughs> my movie, man. Yeah, I mean, it, that, it just, Christopher Nolan is incredible. Uh, and uh, I think it's, uh, there's so many that I'm excited to see, but Oppenheimer would be right up. And that's the thing. It's the excitement level that I think people feel. And seeing a trailer on a big screen is a totally, you know, we talk about the difference between the, the home experience and the theatrical experience. Those things apply to the marketing as well, or the trailers for the movie, you're getting people excited. And let's not forget the importance of the sound, right? 
laser projection coupled with amazing sound, that impact in that room, I think exponentially we get more excited about movies when you see, like I saw the some of the flash uh, teaser trailers and things on YouTube or on a small screen, I'm like that looks really cool. Then I saw it yesterday or whenever the, the trailer was uh, shown on that big screen with that sound, the Dune trailer today just hits you right in the gut and it looks so amazing. That's what it's all about, that confidence that studios have in the business is shown by all the movies that are on the slate this year and set for next year. Consumers who are the ultimate arbiters of this business, whether it succeeds or fails, they are loving going to the movies and they have all that great content at home, but guess what? They're going out to the movie. I had a chance to talk this weekend with some people that are very close to Oppenheimer and they were saying, we think this movie's going to be one of the three or four or five that you'll remember your whole life. It's that kind of movie. Yeah. So you think about that, that, that yeah, I'm pretty keen Nolan, in on that he one. He can deliver. So yep. that's great. <laughs> but listen, I want to thank Dan. I want to thank you, Paul. Thank you, Wim. Uh, thank you. We close this show with a quote of the day. And the quote of the day comes from director James Mangold, who will premiere his new Indiana Jones film at Cannes next month. Here's what he had to say about this experience this week. He said, you're walking among legends and you're aware of it. The only wonderful thing on this project is that all the legends are embracing you and are happy to be there with you. Whether you're talking about Harrison Ford or Steven Spielberg or Kathy Kennedy or George Lucas or John Williams, what an opportunity. It's like being on an all-star baseball team. You just hope you rise to the occasion. Thanks again, gents. It's been a great show. Thank you, audience. Thank you. You've Thank been you. wonderful. You. And uh, we'll see you all at the movies. Thank you.